Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 22nd of March, 2022. Uh, and that doesn't really, it's not 2, 22, 22. Anyway, it doesn't matter, matter. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to the program. Appreciate the use of your ears and the burning of your time. Hope you're having fun while you listen. Uh, action-packed program. We'll get to it as quickly as possible. Just let me first make a pitch for you to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. To sign up for the Curse Program, the Week in Effin Review, and for the contests that are there every single week, we give away autographed books. This week, it's a battle between Matt Walsh and John Cleese. All you do is sign up, comment on the post with those two books there, autographed by each man, with uh, which one you want to win. Your answer, your post doesn't have to be creative. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't help. It doesn't hurt if you do, though, because I read them, so... We print them up, and on Saturday, Sunday afternoons, sometime after noon, one of the kids draws a name, and that winner gets the book. So congratulations to whoever wins. It costs you five bucks a month is all to help the program, help maintain the equipment, help maintain my sanity as best we can, and feed my children. And you get all of this for less than a cup of coffee. I mean, coffee's ridiculously expensive. We haven't even been impacted by inflation over there at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. It might be the last bastion of things not being hit by inflation. So I appreciate the support, and uh, please keep going there. And if you haven't gone there before, go there. All right, that's enough begging. Let's get on with the show. We've got a, a lot of uh, news to get to and uh, a short time to get there on Eastbound. Just watch old bandit run. I've got, uh, I'm trying to find this one thing, but I can't, I've got so many tabs open right now. It's ridiculous the way I run, <laughs> the way I run. There's no way to run a radio show, but, um, you know, I need a riding lawnmower, but they're uh, not right now. Anyway, we've got, like I say, a lot going on. We've got uh, more racism from MSNBC. We've got the uh, the ladies. Oh, you know, these make me uh, make me think that trans women are women. If you look at the ladies on the View, why don't why doesn't the View? Because the View is supposed to be about uh, you know women and women's opinions and giving women a voice. Why aren't they having a, a trans woman on there? Where's that? They've got, you know, every other flavor of human being, except they don't have Asians on very often for some reason, because leftists hate Asians, except for when the world is looking. But they don't have a trans woman on there. Why not? Why don't they have it? What's going on? Why is there a hate crime? Somebody sent me an email over the weekend about uh, AOC and her claim that, oh, man, the uh, the, the uh, drilling factories, the drilling camps for oil oil camps are nothing but cesspools of abduction and murder and rape of indigenous women. Again, something AOC, we played you the audio last week, something AOC is not uh, bothered to clarify and how that comes to be. So they're just trying to throw everything at the wall to try and shut down drilling in this country at a time when we need a lot of drilling in this country. So I came up with a solution in response to this email. The oil industry should only hire trans women or trans men or whatever the hell, it, both, either, whatever it is, 
to work at these camps, to build pipelines, to drill. I want to see the left oppose that. I want to see these leftists line up and say, no, 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 we should not have trans jobs. They make it just an entire industry for the trans community. And then go with that. Let's see the left oppose it then. They'll find a way. They'll find a way. But it'll take them a while and it'll be fun to watch. And in the meantime, we might get a little bit of oil. So I recommend that. <laughs> I just love that. Why do you hate trans whatever? Women, men, I don't know. Would you hire, you'd probably want to hire trans women, the men who think they're women, more so than trans men, the women who think they're men, for the same reason you see the success of someone like Leah Thomas in sports and not... Uh, Toby Thomas in sports. Not any, uh, there are no women competing with the men going, man, she's good or he's good or whatever that, the, the guy who doesn't have to tuck it back, really, really good. That, that guy over there who doesn't have to wear a cup is one of the best fastball hitters in all of baseball. Not, oh, so much power. Nobody's ever said that sentence before. Nobody ever will. Well, you you get them out into a field. Maybe they they drill for a while. Maybe they work uh, an oil derrick, and they uh, they can become such things. But I want to start off <clears throat> today. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but hey, you take it where it comes. I want to start off today with a little bit of controversy surrounding Judge Kanjati or Ketanji Brown Jackson. And it's uh, more of a controversy. The media is desperately trying to cover it up. The media is desperately trying to prevent any investigation, any exploration of her record. Now, look, she's going to get confirmed to the Supreme Court. She just is. Democrats have the votes. Democrats have the numbers. And unless there's something particularly heinous in her past, she's not going to face... Any opposition, if every Republican votes against her, she'll still get confirmed 51 to 50 because uh, Kamala Harris will break the tie. I highly doubt that a uh, Joe Manchin or uh, Kirsten Sinema, I highly doubt they'll break ranks on this one. They're Democrats after all. The history of it seems to be the most important thing. And that's all you ever hear. From these Democrats. Oh, it's so historic. She's so historic. It's historic, historic, historic. Who cares? The Titanic's uh, inaugural voyage was wildly historic. How did that work out again? There are lots of things that are historic. The label historic has been thrown around. And then thrown around about the Biden administration. Oh, it's so historic. Why? Because Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, and whatever they do, and in a historic trip to Europe. and I swear to God, whenever there's, a Demo- whenever there's a Democrat in office, whatever they do, the media hypes it up as historic. Notice this. Just pay attention to it. Joe Biden, in a historic phone call with Xi Jinping today, said China shouldn't mess with Russia and Ukraine. Oh, okay. Wow. Stirring. That's so super historic. That's right up there with the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's it. It's the exact same thing. They're so pathetic. They, they've done the same thing to racism, sexism, homophobia. I mean, they've used the word so much that it no longer has any meaning. It's it just gone. It's boring. It's, it's worthless. It's done. But they do it. They fling it around because it sounds important. Oh, it's histor- if it's historic, it must be good. Well, you know, 
forgive me, but the Holocaust was historic. Everything that happens in history is historic. Not always good. Oftentimes, more often than not, it's bad. But hey, what do you know? Anyway, because she's a black woman, she'll get confirmed, regardless of what her record is. Again, unless there's something really, really egregious in there, which I doubt. I doubt it would have been discovered by now, unless it's something in her personal life. That being said, she should face scrutiny. She needs to face scrutiny. Nobody should get a free pass onto the Supreme Court. As such, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri is asking some questions. He is looking at her record. And he noticed some interesting things about this. He went off on a Twitter thread the other day, writes, quote, I've been researching the record of Judge Katanji Jackson, Katanji Brown Jackson. Let's just call her Jackson, for God's sakes. Judge Jackson, reading her opinions, articles, interviews, and speeches. I've noticed an alarming pattern when it comes to Judge Jackson's treatment of sex offenders, especially those preying on children. Judge Jackson has a pattern of letting child porn offenders off the hook for their appalling crimes, both as a judge and as a policymaker. She's been advocating for it since law school. This goes beyond soft on crime. I'm concerned that this is a record that endangers our children. I don't know. I, I haven't done the research that Holly did. He goes through and he lists a bunch of it. It would just the rest of the show would be me just reading. Her record, I'll read you a few highlights and you can judge for yourselves. As far back as her time in law school, Judge Jackson has questioned making convicts register as sex offenders, saying it leads to stigmatization and ostracism. He wouldn't want to stigmatize or ostracize child sex offenders from a polite society, would you? She suggested that public policy is driven by a, quote, climate of fear, hatred and revenge, end quote, against sex offenders. Well, you know, if you're going to have that climate, that'd be the people you'd want it directed towards. Judge Jackson has also questioned sending dangerous sex offenders to civil commitment. We have civil commitment law in Missouri, and it protects children. It gets worse. As a member of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, Judge Jackson advocated for drastic change in how the law treats sex offenders by eliminating the existing mandatory minimum sentences for child porn. There are a few things... That are as unforgivable as that. Very few things, if anything. That is as unforgivable. Murder is about the only thing that is as unforgivable as that. And she's apparently for it. I don't know these to be true. I'm just telling you what the senator from Missouri has discovered. Now, I would assume that Judge Brown can defend her own record. That's her record. She should be able, if she can't defend it, then she could come out and say, you know what, I can't defend that. I was wrong then, and I I, I admit it now. It'd be pretty easy to do this. In fact, Josh Hawley went on Fox and Friends this morning to talk about it. We have a clip here talking about Ketanji Brown Jackson's sentencing on uh, child pornography and other things. I think he makes... I think Senator Hawley makes a good point, a valid point, and a point that uh, Judge Jackson should be made to answer for it. it should, if, it's, if it's an innocent answer, if it's simple and plain and a misunderstanding, she should be able to explain that, should she not? Listen to Josh Hawley from this morning. 
Well, the facts are the facts, and the facts are that Dick Durbin can call names and cast aspersions all he wants, but Judge Jackson sentenced below the sentencing guidelines for every single child porn offender that has come before. And it's not just one or two, Brian. She's had, to the extent that we can find her cases, she's had at least 10, we believe, 10 different cases with child porn offenders. And in every single one where she had discretion, she sentenced below what the federal recommendation was. She sentenced below what the government recommended. Now, listen, here's what the left's new line is. is what that, That's fine. They said, yeah, because child porn sentences are too high. So it's good that Judge Jackson is sentencing leniently. And I guess we can have that debate. I just right. want to say that I disagree with that. I don't gotcha. think this is the time to go soft on child porn offenders. Hey, you know, <laughs> now, that's a hell of a tagline. I don't think this is the time to go soft on child porn offenders. That's that's a, a it's hey, may, there may be hope for Republicans if they're able to message like that throughout this. But it sounds like something that uh, Judge Jackson should be asked about. And if there's an innocent answer, if there's a simple, basic answer, she should be able to give it. But to ask the question now, to question this judge, her record, to look at it, is now being being called basically a call to violence. Ellie Mistal, he is the uh, basically the white-haired Fat Albert. Look it up. He looks like Doc Brown. Well, he looks like Fat Albert ate Doc Brown from Back to the Future. He is uh, the justice correspondent and allegedly a lawyer on MSNBC, and he's the justice correspondent for uh, The Nation magazine, which tells you how far The Nation magazine has fallen. All he does is go out and scream racism, racism, racism. He's a black guy, so that's that's his shtick. He was on MSNBC. You'd think somebody like him would have something interesting to say every once in a while, if only by accident, but it just doesn't happen. Uh, he was on MSNBC, and he says that... Uh, Senator Hawley, based off of what you just heard there and what I read to you, is trying to get Judge Brown killed. Trying to get her killed. How? Why? He doesn't say. It's just that uh, any criticism of Judge Jackson, any criticism of a black woman is trying to get her killed, essentially, is what Ellie Mistal says. Listen to listen to this stuff. I need the Democrats to get up there and defend her just as vociferously as Lindsey Graham defended alleged attempted rapist Brett Kavanaugh. Like, I need that level of energy from the Democrats, especially when they come at her with this with this trumped up um, uh, alleged issues about uh, her sentencing on uh, for, for sex offenders. Um, because what Josh Hawley is doing, let's be, let's be very clear, what Josh Hawley is doing when he tries to do this um, is he's trying to get her killed. He is trying to get violence done against a Supreme Court nominee. He's trying to get her killed. He's trying to get violence done against a Supreme Court nominee. Trumped up charges. How, then? How? Did she or did she not, in the cases involving child pornography, in the cases before her, did she sentence people to lower than the sentence recommendation? Does she have this history? Notice that Ellie Mistal does not bother to try and explain this, does not refute. There's a real simple way. Leftists do this all the time. There's a real simple way to make Josh Hawley look like an idiot. Point out how he's wrong. All right? You can say he's, or you can just say his conclusion is wrong. 
his facts are right, but his conclusion is wrong, and here's why. But if he's so wrong, it would be pretty easy to point out how he's wrong. She did not sentence everybody before her to a lenient sentence. Here's example X, Y, and Z. And Mr. L doesn't do that. Now, he's lazy and intellectually dishonest, so I'm not sure he's capable of doing such a thing. But if there is cases, if there are cases out there that disprove what Josh Hawley is saying, somebody should put him out there. Instead, what do they do? They immediately go to, well, Josh Hawley says this. Well, Josh Hawley is being racist. Josh Hawley is trying to get uh, Judge Jackson murdered. How? 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 No, he doesn't say. You don't have to say. Maybe they should just accuse her of raping somebody. They can find somebody from her high school who has the same political axe to grind that uh, Christine Blase Ford had to uh, grind against Brett Kavanaugh. And she'd come out and say, oh, there was this, uh, there was this horrible party. Uh, Judge Jackson tried to touch me, and I cried, and I ran home, and it was terrible. Get somebody out there. Get somebody out there to say that, to claim that. Why not? What's the difference? See, the Republicans are going after Judge Jackson based on her record. Democrats are not prepared to defend her record. They don't feel they have to defend her record. They'll just go, don't you see that she's historic? Let her on there. They have the votes. Don't you see that she's historic? She is historic in that sense. She's historic in a lot of senses. Everybody's historic in a lot of senses. Have you been nominated to the Supreme Court? I bet you haven't. I have not. The mere act of being nominated to the Supreme Court makes you historic. Whether or not you're on, get on is another story. Judge Bork was railroaded and lied about by Democrats. He's still historic. His confirmation hearing was historic because it soured the judicial process. It was led by none other than Ted Kennedy, a serial sex offender, and Joe Biden, who may well have been a serial sex offender. And now Joe Biden is president of the United States whining about, oh, we need to give everybody a fair shake. Well, I'm sorry, you don't get to kick everybody in the head and then come along and say that we all need to just get along. It's not how it works. Not at all. So now we move to the sensible left. And the, uh, well, they're just the crowd. They're the crowd. As you heard the argument from Josh Hawley, and the argument against Josh Hawley from Ellie Mistal from MSNBC, from the media, uh, you could make up your own mind. But sadly, so many people go and try to get their information. Well, you can get your information from wherever you get it. Far be it for me to tell you where to get your information from. But if you get it from The View, you're an idiot. <laughs> can we just... Can we just say that and leave it at that? Is that is that fair enough? Do you get it from the view you're an idiot? Famously, eh, what was it during the campaign, or maybe it was just after the cam- after the election? Whoopi Goldberg went on a rant about, oh, I hope that Joe Biden, ooh, ooh was a pudding pop because he sound she's she's sounding more and more like Bill Cosby about pudding, not necessarily about drugging women and raping them. But I don't listen to Whoopi that often, so I don't know. But I suspect she's not into that. 
But, uh, you know, she's sitting there, ooh, uh, I hope that he picks Jill Biden to be Surgeon General. There's nobody smarter than Jill Biden. She's the best doctor I ever did see. She saved my life. Saved my life. Uh, she saved so many lives. She just works nonstop in the emergency room with gunshot victims. And she say, oh, wait, she's got a, she's got a, a, an ED in, in community college education. Okay, never mind then. Still, she's this brilliant woman. Remember that? That was hilarious. It, it tells you the level of um, competence it takes to become a television host. And, it te- and anything more than that is like, well, they're too, too difficult to work with. Because the people behind the scenes are idiots in television too, by the way. So they'll label somebody who knows their stuff and will point out, hey, you, you wrote this question and it's a really stupid question and here's why. And then that person gets labeled as, oh, they're really difficult to work with. Why? Because they're not going to read your garbage on television. They're not going to read what you write unquestioningly. That makes them difficult. Anyway, the uh, ladies on The View, including Whoopi Goldberg, had some thoughts on Ketanji Brown Jackson and just how brilliant she is. This isn't about Josh Hawley's comments. This is just about how she might be. The smartest, she might be the Jill Biden of medical doctors. <laughs> Listen, to, now I guarantee you, a month ago, not a single one of these idiots on The View had ever heard of Ketanji Brown Jackson. Not a single one of them had ever heard of her. Now she is Albert Einstein's superior in every way, shape, or form that intellect can be measured. Do you think I'm joking? Sadly, I'm not. I mean, just based on the people, the last three people they put in, mm-hmm. you know, this is a woman who can who can outshine each and every one of those people. Very literally. Her abilities are, are outstanding. I mean, she's outstanding. So you put in Amy Coney Barrett, you put in the other one, you know, uh, and, and you're, you're questioning her. But Whoopi, let's not pretend like we don't know what it's about, right? Well, we, know, we, we know what bus is always on time. Mm-hmm. The one that indicts the, the determinations of the qualifications yeah. of black women in this country. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that bus yeah. is never late. It's never it's late. It's never late. Well, that bus is never late. Preach, sister. Preach. Give me a break. This is uh, the other person that's not Whoopi Goldberg talking about uh, the pudding pops. I don't even know her name. I can't remember her name. She was on the last season of uh, The Real Housewives of New York, which is kind of funny because I watched part of that season, and she's not married, and she wasn't married, and I don't think she ever has been married. I don't know, but she, she she's a, a black woman, and she's a lawyer. And so there she is, and she's on The View going, oh, man. You know which bus is always on time. Which ones? Oh, the one that indicts black women. It doesn't allow black women to do X, Y, or Z. And you're like, what in the hell are you talking about? What are you talking Ebony K. Williams. That's her name. Ebony K. Williams. Let's see. Was she ever married? Doesn't look like it. She was engaged and then got dumped. And you can begin to see why. But, uh, no, they're sitting there going, oh, no, no, oh, we got to come on. She's she's smarter. She's smarter than everybody else. The last three, she's way smarter than Amy Coney Barrett, 
Amy Coney Barrett wasn't even smart enough to be able to take notes during her hearing. You know, she she didn't write anything down. How dumb do you have to be? To, you're dealing with liberal land. You have to deal with things on their level. But you just love that. Oh, I, I don't even, huh? Who? How? What? She's way smarter than them. How, Whoopi? Uh, she just is. Can you cite an example? Well, I don't, I can't, you just, racism? Oh, all right. Racism? Oh, you know what bus is on time? The bus that holds black women? Oh, really? Is that bus, uh, that uh, the white people bus that shows up and just makes everything super easy? The one that uh, picked up and tried to run over Brett Kavanaugh with the Democrats' lies about uh, attempted rape when he was 15 years old? That no other human being on the planet remembered? But, oh, my goodness, it's... It's, it has to be true because Christine Blase Ford would never in a million years make up something like that, except that maybe she would. Maybe she, her own best friend at the time had no idea what the hell she was talking about. Her own best friend at the time refuted her claims of even going to a party like that. Her own best friend at the time talked about how the left-wing mob, the groups, the activist groups, approached her and tried to pressure her into backing her up. Come on, just say, look, we can stop this guy. If you say, oh, I remember this party, it was horrible when they tried to rape Christine Blase Ford. She wouldn't do it. Her own best friend at the time. That's weird, isn't it? The ladies at The View can't bother to remember that. They probably never even mentioned it in the entirety of their program. But these three, there's only three of them for some weird reason on The View. Maybe they all had the day off. or Maybe they all had COVID. Who knows? Joy Behar wasn't there. It was just Whoopi, Ebony K. Williams, and uh, Anna Navarro. And this little sewing circle from hell continues... And, and, and I want to say this, based off the fact that this will be one of the only Supreme Court justices, to your point of that example of the last three we mm-hmm. got, who will be confirmed by bipartisan nature, yes. already, I mean, excuse me, already has been yeah. at the appellate level yeah. by the United States Senate. Um, she's overqualified. Let me go well, on record in saying scary. that. She's that's overqualified. That's what's scary to them. That's what I'm scared. I personally am scared. That's what's scary. That's scary, scary, scary. She's overqualified. Well, there you go. Republicans, there is your mantra. I'm sorry, Judge uh, Katanji Jackson-Brown. You're far too qualified for this job. We can't let you take it. We cannot let you stoop to serving on the Supreme Court. you got to love the way the left builds these people up. There's the most brilliant mind ever. Okay, well, let's see how she does in answering questions publicly at the hearing. The hearing starts today it'll continue for the next three or four days whatever it is let's see how she does in answering those questions if she takes a single note she's not nearly as bright as amy coney barrett right isn't that right isn't that weird remember the attacks on amy coney barrett she's got too many kids how many kids can one person have what did she expect why did she have so many kids what's wrong with this woman she's got kids 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 horrible why didn't she abort some of those kids? That's how many kids she's got. That's how awful it is. Well, Judge Jackson, does she have any kids? I don't know. Does she have enough kids? She have too many kids? If she takes a note, she's not as brilliant as Amy Coney Barrett, right? If she can't cite case, if she gets something wrong, then maybe just maybe all of the hags on the view are wrong. Maybe they're making stuff up. The 
great genius legal minds that are up there at the view. Don't you love that? Oh, yeah, no, no, no. She's uh, she's one of the most brilliant minds ever, man. She's got the most brilliant minds. I don't see Judge, Judge Brown as, or Jackson as uh, having listed with any kids. It's weird. It's weird, it's weird, it's weird. Anyway, one more clip from the ladies at The View just shows you how... Now, Whoopi, Whoopi again is setting the bar here. She really turns on her, I sound a lot like Bill Cosby in this, talking about the pudding pops, about how Judge Brown or Judge Jackson needs to respond. She just needs to start telling, she needs to, basically, Whoopi's advice is she needs to be a smartass. If she's asked any question about the laws, you don't know this? How come you don't know this? Which would be wildly stupid to do. The senators, even Democratic senators, would not appreciate being condescending jackass to one of them. But then you hear Ana Navarro finally chime in on this and bring some, it's really a sad commentary on what's going on with The View when Ana Navarro brings the sanity. But she does, and the idiots, the other idiots on The View sort of kind of well, they bring it back to race because that's all they know. And it's yeah. like, you know, if you say you want the, the brightest, the greatest that we have, she's perfect representation of that. Yes. Now, what I, I hope they all remember is I hope they all remember their laws mm. when they question her. Because, you know, she will just she would just be like this with them. What? Oh, no. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, you didn't know this? Mm-hmm. You know, all you had to do was look it up. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. I'll tell you what she needs to do. What she needs to do. She needs to keep her cool and yes. answer calmly and answer with substance because she, because of who she is, is not going to get away with the crying meltdown at Kavanaugh. Uh, no, we don't get to do that. Nope. We no, always got, we got to be the strong one. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Bring it on. She's ready for you. We'll be Woo! She's ready for you. Bring it on with the pudding pops, okay? She can take it. Bring it on. How pathetic. Whoopi Goldberg next week will forget her name. Whoopi Goldberg a month ago didn't know that she existed. I bet you Whoopi Goldberg today couldn't spell her name. But that's beside the point. The ladies at The View have spoken and the pudding pops and the quaaludes and all of that thing. And you got the most qualified person ever to sit on the bench. Don't know nothing about nothing. Except for the fact that, boy, howdy, she sure seems to really enjoy letting child sex offenders get off easy. Maybe there's a justification for that. But the left is trying to frame it that even asking that is threatening her life and somehow racist. You do that only when you don't really have a good case otherwise. It seems pretty obvious to me how you, as I said at the outset, Judge Jackson is barring something genuinely horrible going to get confirmed. I don't think that uh, being easy on... Uh, child sexual predators is going to bother many Democrats if it's going to bother any Democrats, to be perfectly honest with you. She's too historic to let those sorts of things get in the way. And there is uh, there are people on the right who look at that argument as not the way to go. Andy McCarthy, who is somebody I uh, genuinely respect. He's a good guy, smart guy, knows his stuff. He's got a piece up at National Review today about entitled Senator Hawley's disingenuous attack against Judge Jackson's record on child pornography. 
it's very long. It's not going through. He talks about discretion and blah, blah, blah. And that's that's fine. There may be a very valid reason about it. But it doesn't... <clears throat> what I disagree with Andy about is you don't need to be defending her. She can def- She's going to have the entire media complex defending her. She's going to have the entire Democratic Party defending her. She's going to have... She has to ultimately defend herself. All she has to do is go out there and say and answer for it. There may well be a perfectly valid explanation for it. She is the one to do it, not you, not me, and certainly not anybody on the right. To hell with that. Leftists can defend their own leftists, period. By the way, Andy McCarthy, just in, in fairness, he, lists, he has another piece, the right reason to oppose Jackson Brown. And he goes through a whole bunch of things about her judicial philosophy, and he, he's not softening on it. And he is an honest broker. And in politics, eh, not necessarily always room for that when you're dealing with the left. They never extend it to you. I am a big fan of own medicine, I guess would be the way to put it. Giving people a nice big dose of their own medicine, period, end of story. You get your own medicine. If you don't like the way you're being treated, then don't put that out into the world, period, end of story. I'm not saying that you should go as far as the left did and manufacture lies about a candidate, lies about an appointee, lies about a nominee. But if there are people out there in her past who say, oh, my God, she got a little hand. When she got drunk, she got handsy. I'd like to hear from them. She, I can assume, can defend herself. I mean, after all, Whoopi Goldberg has declared her the smartest woman ever to go out there with the pudding pops and go, oh, my goodness. Blah, blah, blah. What passes for intellect on the left is, is frightening. Very frightening. But, you know, if Whoopi's, if she's half as smart as Whoopi claims she is, she'll be able to defend herself. And if she can't defend herself, that tells you, look, I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. But for the most part, I can defend them. Or I will do what most other people would do and go, you know what? I was wrong. And uh, here's why. And here's how. And whatever. That's how adults do it. If Judge Jackson is incapable or unwilling to do that, that tells you something about her judicial temperament, does it not? I think it does. Uh, if anybody's unwilling to do that, I think it does. Even even Brett Kavanaugh's like, yeah, you know, I drank, drank too much in high school. Okay. But I never did what you're accusing me of. Oh, well, doesn't matter. One woman out of 50 people remember this. Nobody else does. Remember Sheldon, White, Sheldon Whitehouse? Remember when Sheldon Whitehouse was trying to uh, get uh, him to say, well, what does is, what is boofing mean? What does boofing mean? Like it was somehow a, a sexual assault? Is this your code word for sexual assault? Tells you how big of a nerd Sheldon Whitehouse is that he had no friends at all who ever had nicknames for vomiting or passing gas. But that's just me. I don't expect it to go off the rails like that. But I also would recommend that Republicans do one thing and one either just go, all right, well, we're going to we're going to kind of ignore this thing or abstain. You can perfect, you can vote present. You don't have to vote for or against. You can vote present. So you deny Democrats 
the bipartisanship they claim to want, the one they're ready to go, oh, she's bipartisan, that you heard the ladies on The View talk about. Just deny her that and vote present. Then they can't say, you voted against her. You can say you refused to vote for her. Or better yet, don't show up that day. Don't show up that day. Walk away. Because as you heard, Ebony K. Williams said, well, she'll be voted in bipartisanly because she's been voted in bipartisanly to her lower courts. So are the other guys. It didn't matter to Democrats. It's amazing how to each one of these morons, history begins every single morning they wake up and it begins anew. When you're dumb, I guess that's the way the world works. There are other things going on in the world besides the uh, the confirmation hearings and the Supreme Court fight. It's not really even a fight. That's what's amazing. Also, the Supreme Court news, Clarence Thomas has been in the hospital since Friday. He's allegedly doing much better, which is good. Um, you sit there and you think, well, okay, remember when Darth Vader Ginsburg, all the times that Darth Vader Ginsburg was in the hospital. Do you ever remember going, God, I hope the old bag would die? No, no, I bet you didn't. The left can't control themselves, though. (laughs) If you find any story out on Twitter, I don't know what it is. Something about Twitter makes people, it doesn't make people. It exposes people. Nothing makes you anything. You're either horrible or you're not horrible. But um, the leftists out there have gone on a tirade about wishing... Judge Thomas, Justice Thomas, dead. Now, they did this back long time ago in the late 90s. Was it Nina Totenberg or somebody who works at NPR was like wishing that Ginny Thomas would feed Clarence a whole bunch of bacon and eggs because black men die of heart attacks at a higher rate. They wanted she wished him dead on it. She didn't lose her job. She didn't lose her status. She didn't lose anything. She wasn't even suspended. It was pathetic. Ellen Hopkins, who lists herself as a uh, former journalist and current New York Times best-selling young adult and fiction author, feminist, activist, and supporter of the equal rights guaranteed all under their constitution. She tweeted out back when Darth Vader Ginsburg was sick, quote, If you pray, please hold RBG up in your prayers. If you don't, please send every good vibe her way. We need her. We need her. Upon the news of Clarence Thomas being in the hospital, she writes, trying to maintain the high road. Don't want him to die, but wouldn't mind if his health forced him into retirement. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas hospitalized with infection, high court says. That's just one example. That's a tame example. Some of the other examples I can't read. Um on a family-friendly show because they're god-awful people. They really do wish Clarence Thomas dead. Now, these people, if you said the same thing about Barack Obama, my God, what kind of monster are you? You're a racist. But, you know, it's Clarence Thomas. He's not really black. He's, uh, you know, remember when Ebony Magazine had him on the cover of their magazine as a lawn jockey. And the headline was like Uncle Thomas Lawn Jockey for the Far Right or something like that. So Clarence Thomas isn't really black. Besides, he married a white woman. You know, that's really horrible. That's an unforgivable, unless you're, of course, a liberal in good standing. Because, you know, they celebrate uh, Kamala Harris as if she's the second coming of Christ. And she married a white dude. Nobody cares. 
But for some reason, that Clarence Thomas married a white woman is something that the left cares about when they run out of other things to be angry about. Wildly racist, wholly inappropriate, incredibly stupid, progressive, I guess would be the word I'm looking for. So yeah, he went into the hospital on Friday with flu-like symptoms. This is another thing they don't seem to understand. Flu-like symptoms. They're saying it's not COVID. Flu-like symptoms. And they're treating him with... IV antibiotics, and he's expected to be released in a day or two. Sorry, Democrats, you evil SOBs. But you sit there and all these people go, oh, it's not COVID. You don't treat the flu. What's something's really going on here? This is amazing how conspiracies work. Oh, they don't, uh, they don't treat the flu with, with, uh, with antibiotics. There's something more going on here. Maybe Clarence Thomas will die. Maybe, and that's where they get excited. The thing is, flu-like symptoms... Everybody knows what flu-like, especially after the past two years, but I would think that everybody knows what flu-like symptoms mean, right? Congestion, stuffiness, aches, pain. That sums up just about everything and anything short of serious illness. Does it not? Flu-like symptoms? Temperature. Those are all symptoms of the flu. Those are all symptoms of various infections. If you let an infection in your finger go long enough, you could get yourself flu-like symptoms. But for some out there on the left who are just evil and devoid of any decency whatsoever, they had to spend the day going, oh, that's, there's something more going on here. There's something we're not being told. He's sick with something because they're not saying flu-like. They don't treat the flu with antibiotics. That's right. That's why they didn't say he had the flu. They said he had flu-like symptoms, which is why he went to the hospital, which is then when they discovered that he had an infection. One must assume that the doctors in a hospital would not be like doctors at the free clinic, where you tell them it burns when you go to the bathroom and they just give you some penicillin and go about your business and take your word for what you did last weekend. No, you've got to assume that they would go, uh, you're presenting with all of these symptoms, let's run a blood test and find out, especially when dealing with a Supreme Court justice, because I can promise you this, as a former government employee, government employees have really damn good health insurance, right? The higher ranking the government employee is, the better the health insurance is. So much so that I suspect that when Joe Biden goes in for his... Uh, experimental treatments for whatever it is trying to keep him from completely losing his mind. They don't even ask him for the Blue Cross card. They just treat him. And I bet you that doctors aren't going to just go, well, I don't know, I figure he's probably got. I don't think very many doctors are going <laughs> to start off. What do you think he has? I don't know, man. Let's just, uh, let's just throw a bunch of antibiotics at it. I bet you that they tested him and they discovered that he's got some kind of infection somewhere, bacterial-based, and they're treating him with IV antibiotics. And as the word uh, that he expects to be released in a day or two comes out, that you, and it's already been a day, so today maybe, um, that that is probably pretty damned accurate. But still, just a little peek into who these people are and how these people are and what these people do, and how these people react. They are, they, they show you who they are. They show you who they are. They don't hide it. And you could easily, easily sit there and go, it couldn't possibly. So many people, don't, no, there's, there's no way they're that evil. They are that evil. They're worse than that evil. 
Because this is what they're doing out in public. Imagine what they're doing in private. Imagine what they're doing in private. Uh, speaking of what people do in public and what people do in private and the frauds that are out there on the left, the New York Times, of course, does a glowing, slobbering piece on pretty much every anti-Semitic leftist they can get their hands on. Rashida Tlaib, ugh, there's, a, there's like a poorly lit, not that there's a well good way to light her, but a poorly lit photograph of her in this. I'm looking at it on a big monitor. It's unfortunate. Somebody called Rosina Ali decided to publish this piece called What Rashida Tlaib Represents. She changed the Israeli-Palestinian debate and conflict by reminding her colleagues of the human stakes. It's a burden she would rather not carry. She didn't change the debate. She didn't change anything. Uh, One side elected Hamas to be their representative and the other side. There's a very simple way to put this. I forget who first put it this way. But I believe it was somebody in Britain. It was a rather brilliant way to put it. That if the if the Israelis stopped fighting, if the Israelis disarmed in Israel, Israel would be destroyed in short order. If the Palestinians decided to disarm, there would be peace. That tells you kind of everything you need to know. One side is hell-bent on the destruction of the other, and the other side is hell-bent on not letting that other side destroy them. Never forget that. The left tries to pollute it and convolute it, but it's true. So in this glowing piece about how wonderful Rashida Tlaib is, they talk about how it's somehow become her mission. Her mission in life is she's she considers herself to be representing the Palestinian people in Congo. Why, I don't know, because her grandma lives over there and she wasn't able to go there or whatever. And to my end, you're representing the United States of America. She represents the district I grew up in, the house I grew up in, my family, all my family except my dad who lives further north in Michigan, uh, lives in her district. They're not represented by her because they're not terrorist sympathizers. But in this story, uh, her election also made her the third Palestinian-American in the House after Justin Amash, a Republican representative from Michigan, and John Sununu, a Republican representative from New Hampshire. Amash at times bucked his party, which he left before exiting Congress in 2021 on Israel. And in 2014, he voted against funding for Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system, which had been significantly financed by the United States since it was established. Blah, blah, blah. Tlaib's views, by contrast, are deeply and openly personal. She grew up hearing stories of family members being forced out of their homes. At age 12, she visited the West Bank and saw for herself the walls and checkpoints. She saw for herself these walls and checkpoints. But, and, and that's what shaped her. That's what shaped her policy. Still, foreign policy has hardly come up in recent years as her state representative. She saw this inhumanity of walls and checkpoints. Rashida Tlaib <clears throat> traveled at age 12, was 1998. 1988, she was 12 years old. The construction on the wall separating the West Bank from Israel began 14 years later in 2002. Checkpoints came earlier. But the wall that she saw, she knows she saw, that led to her understanding of the inhumanity of these poor Israelis, these horrible Israelis towards these poor Palestinians. That wall wasn't built for 14 years later. Wasn't built until she was 28 years old. But she saw it somehow. Maybe she's a soothsayer. Maybe she sees the future. 
Maybe she's a witch. So much of what the left does and the, the way they try to justify it. Look, Rashida Tlaib is an anti-Semite. There's really no question about that. You have to be a dim bulb to sit there and try and challenge that. She's an anti-Semite. That's fine. She, a lot of Democrats are anti-Semites. That's nothing new. What she does, though, is she tries to justify it. She tries to justify it, and she will not be bound by reality in the fight to justify her anti-Semitism. She will not sit there and just go, you know what, I just don't care for the Jews. She has to find something. So she tells the New York Times, look at 12, I saw the walls. That's probably the last time she was there. When I was 12 years old, or at least uh, the only time she was, I don't know, was there. I, she tried to go two years ago, and they said, no, we're not letting you in because you're rabidly anti-Israeli and anti-Semitic. But she's, she had to find some way to excuse her hatred. It can't just be that uh, Israel fight. Israel has to be to blame. If you just say, well, I don't care for the way that Israel stops terrorism, it's a little too on the nose for Rashida Tlaib. You can't go that route. So you have to go another route. You have to say, well, the, they have been building walls and, and segregating the Palestinian people, imprisoning them and keeping them away in the, these horrible walls. Ever since I was a kid, I saw the inhumanity. When I was 12 years old, I saw this inhumanity. And it makes her look super enlightened, doesn't it? Oh, when she was 12 years old. She went and saw, really, at 12 years old, you went over there to visit your grandma. And instead of enjoying your time with your grandma, you spent your time staring at a wall that didn't yet exist going, oh, the inhumanity, those damn Jews. And there's no concern whatsoever for the, you know, the seemingly endless stream of suicide bombers being marched over that border. The people going into marketplaces and blowing themselves up. No concern for that. It's just, oh, don't you see? There are walls out there. It's just terrible. It's horrible. When I was 12 years old, I saw these. Well, you couldn't have. They look for ways to justify their bigotry. They look for ways to justify their belief systems. They look for ways to justify all sorts of things. Because the truth doesn't do it. The truth won't do it for them. The truth isn't on their side. Just say, or it doesn't make them look good. Just say, look, I don't, I'm Palestinian. I got family over there. Uh, they taught me to hate Jews. And so I hate Jews. What are you going to do? I, I don't know what to tell you. Like she can't say that. Why? Because then, you know, people know who she is. She'd probably still get reelected, frankly, from her district, having lived not only there where I grew up in it, I lived in Dearborn, Michigan when I was in college. She'd probably do all right in an election with that as her platform. But it wouldn't do her super good in the grand scheme of media attention and glowing New York Times profile, so she has to sugarcoat it. She has to pretend because those people believe or tend to try to believe or at least polish the idea that, well, the left is tolerant and the right is intolerant. And if you've got leftists who are racist or anti-Semitic who just admit it, it's going to be tough for them to defend. Not impossible. They'll do it. They're good dogs. They're very loyal dogs. But it'll be tough for them to defend. So they just uh, make up stories about it. Because why? Because their whole lives are lies. What's one more? Honestly, what's one more? It doesn't really matter. Uh, by the way, when talking about um, the COVID numbers, the state they've started started to 
as I always point out, the COVID numbers are not, uh, they don't give you the full picture anymore. They just don't. Instead of just telling you what's what and letting you figure it out on your own, and pretty, pretty basic things, not medical things, they've decided for whatever reason to pollute and pervert the data. Now, I hope to God behind the scenes they're actually collecting this data and accurately cataloging it somewhere. Although it would be nice if they released it to the public. Um, now you're getting seven-day averages, which you can still glean some information from, maybe even more, since states are starting to bastardize the data they collect and how they they release it. Like, for example, last year, during this seven-day rolling average ending yesterday, there were 54,876 new COVID cases, whereas in the last seven days, there have only been 29,427. Still a lot, but, you know, 15,000 fewer than before. Is that 15,000? Yeah, no, it's 25,000. Never mind. See, this is why you don't don't talk while drunk. Deaths, the seven-day rolling average a year ago was 1,083, whereas this year it's 879. All good. Then you find out, again, somebody finally looked into what in the hell's going on with this data and why can't we just get consistent, accurate data. The Hill newspaper. As COVID-19 cases fall across the U.S., some states are scaling back their reporting strategies after dropping pandemic-related requirements such as masking. South Dakota ended daily COVID-19 reporting on Friday and will pivot to weekly updates with a seven-day average of 35 daily cases. The state is experiencing some of the country's lowest per capita spread, the Associated Press report. And that's fine, all well and good. But what is the problem? Why? I assume they're still collecting data daily. But they're just releasing it weekly. Maybe because the numbers are so small, what have you. But if they're not collecting the data daily as well, then suddenly they're collecting different data. And we're not going to be able to learn anything. And look, and I hope and I pray to God that this is actually ending. And it's, it, it signs look promising that it could have mutated back into something that is more harmless to human beings because it's never meant to be what the Chinese communists turned it into. And things tend to revert back to their natural state. I've written about this before. I've talked about this before. But um, the data on how a pandemic ends or peters out or just turns into an endemic, whatever it is, is still wildly important because there will be more pandemics. Why change the way you're collecting data? Maybe there's a nominal price savings, a cost savings that you could somehow get from this. I don't know. I doubt it. It wouldn't be much. You're still collecting the data. Presumably, if you're collecting the data only on Mondays from the previous week, you're still paying people to get it and post it and analyze it as if it'd still, it'd still be working five days a week. So why not just collect it every single day? I don't know. Other states that have made the shift, according to The Hill, to weekly reports include Arizona, Hawaii, Kentucky, Nevada, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, as well as Washington, D.C., according to The New York Times. Experts expect a continued slowdown of reporting cycles as COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths begin to decline, the newspaper added. But have they? That's what I don't know. I've been reading you these numbers almost every day. Every day I remember to look up these numbers. 
And you can't consistently say that is the case. Some days, now maybe it's because of the way it's reported, some days the number of cases and numbers of deaths are significantly higher than the previous year. Maybe it's because that's the day that you know most of the states reported. I don't know. But that's what makes it so difficult. If you're comparing apples to footballs, you can't really glean a whole lot of information from that data set, especially when halfway through collecting apples, you decide to collect footballs. So I don't necessarily have a problem with this as long as somebody's actually collecting the real data, somebody's actually categorizing the real data, and somebody is looking into this thing in a very serious way and getting all we can from it. It's not to say that, oh my God, I think the government's trying to kill people or I'm some big conspiracy theorist. No, I want to know this information so that we have this information for the next pandemic, because there will be another pandemic. Given how many idiots out there experiment with viruses and try to mutate them, given that Dr. Fauci is out there doing God knows what, he still denies anything to do with this, and we all know that's a lie. Given that our government throws so much money around, they have no freaking idea where it's going that it could easily end up in some other kind of lab where they're experimenting with things. I want to know the life cycle of this, and I want to know the accurate life cycle of this and how it ends, how it dies, so you know what you're looking at, so you know where you are. Not necessarily going to translate one to the other, but you never know. So meanwhile, other experts fear that less reporting may present problems in the event of a possible future uptick in, invest in infections. There's that, I suppose. But on Sunday, Chief White House Medical Advisor Anthony Fauci said that he did not think the U.S. would see another surge in infections with the latest variant, though he said an uptick was likely. Now, I want to play you an audio of President Fauci because he was... He made the rounds again. It's amazing how he sort of uh, slinked away for a little while, but he has returned. You'd think that uh, these people would not let their God go away, but there he is. Ever Tony Fauci needs some time off too, I guess. And uh, he said, basically, if things go bad, be ready just in case. Be ready. Don't throw away those masks just yet, those excess masks that you have. Be ready to snap him back into place should he somehow be displeased or the numbers go in a bad way. Which, again, if the numbers aren't coming out daily, how the hell are we supposed to trust these people? They've proven themselves wildly untrustworthy. This is why the data collection and data dissemination should remain the same throughout. But anyway, here's the latest very short decree from President Fauci. If we do see a significant surge, particularly one that might result in increased hospitalizations, we have to be prepared to pivot and perhaps reinstitute some of those restrictions. Yes, reinstitute some of those restrictions. We might have to. Look, if people get too uppity, if people start enjoying their freedoms a little too much, then we might have to do this, that, or the other thing. We might have to slap the wrists and smack them back. They really are having difficulty letting this thing go. They really can't bring themselves to uh, even root for the end of this. They want it to be endemic so they can continue. What is it? There was some woman. God, can I find that? There was some woman on Twitter 
she had like 126,000 followers or whatever it was. So that's just, you know, tells you the mindset of the left. And she tweeted out something about how her husband suggested they go to lunch. Here we go. Natalie Jacoby, 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 I guess. She is uh, her Twitter bio. She's got, what is it? How many thousands of followers? 164,900 followers. She has a very, very, very filtered photograph of her. She's obviously much older than she, she's probably in her 40s or 50s. She's trying to look like she's in her 20s and trying to be a, a, uh, a social media celebrity, which I think you only do if you're really desperate for attention. But she, uh, her Twitter bio reads, kindness matters most of all. And that's all in caps lock. So, you know, it's for serious. And she goes, loves animals and farm life. Democrat, hashtag anti-racist, hashtag BLM, hashtag LGBTQIA+, hashtag equality, hashtag me too. No lists. I don't know what that means, but she's not on a list. She would like to keep a list, though, of people who are unvaccinated because this moron tweeted out the other day. Quote, my husband wants us to go to dinner with his friend and his wife, who are both anti-vaxxers. I told him I'm not comfortable doing that because they did not get the COVID vaccine. Do you feel comfortable being around people you know have not been vaccinated? (laughs) Oh, Natalie, if the vaccines work, what do you got to worry about? You can go get 15 uh, booster shots by the time dinner comes around. Hell, you can get one right before the dessert course if you want. Or, you know, don't give in to the urge to swap with them or whatever. She follows it up with one of my followers asked, does it really matter that some people choose not to get vaccinated? Here's my answer. If all these anti-vaxxers had gotten the vaccine when the vaccine first became available, we probably would not be in the mess that we are now. So, yes, it does matter. (laughs) If you are an anti-vaxxer, then just go ahead and unfollow me. You and I will never see eye to eye with each other. Yeah, because we use uh, two-syllable words. These morons. These absolute morons. But it was wildly popular. Been retweeted a whole bunch of times. Got 20,000 likes on that tweet. She is not comfortable going to lunch with or going to dinner with anybody, not even sitting outside. And I ask you, if, if your mask works. Somebody tweeted the other day that they went to a movie theater. I forget another one of these uh, Twitter celebrities, tweeted a picture of themselves with an N95 mask on inside a movie theater. I don't care if you wear a mask. You want to wear a mask, knock yourself out. It's your face. Cover it all you want. I couldn't care. Here he is. John Bracey. First time in a movie theater since early 2020. I'm the only one wearing a mask. This will be my last time in a movie theater until 2024. Why 2024? Is there some sort of end date that we need to know about? Dude, let us know. But if he wants to wear a mask and it's an N95 mask, it looks like a good mask. It says 3M right there on it. If you're wearing a mask, dude, what does it matter? If masks work, you're covered. If masks work, you got this thing. Everybody else is infecting everybody. Everybody else's breath is having an orgy with everybody else's breath. But you're safe. Okay. And if you're vaccinated and you're boosted and you're triple boosted and you're quadruple boosted and whatever boosted to the other lady, then you don't have to worry about it. Right? I mean, they work, don't they? They're 95% effective, right, Natalie Jacoby? No? 
Well, just admit that you're a jerk and you don't want to eat dinner with somebody who disagrees with you politically. That's fine. I guarantee you, if you have that attitude, anybody who disagrees with you politically wouldn't want to have dinner with you. Not because they don't want to have dinner with somebody who disagrees with them politically. It's they don't want to have dinner with somebody who's a jackass like you. Somebody who can't handle that somebody disagrees with them politically. I don't think it's going to really bode well for your marriage in the future. But hey, whatever. I feel sorry for your husband already. So, you know, congratulations, I guess. In other news, the leftists out there, they have, uh, they're trying to find a way to make Joe Biden seem competent. I mean, good luck to him. God bless him. It's it's funny. It's Sisyphus. Um, that's not pushing. No, Sisyphus was a sick fan. It's a guy, was it Sisyphus that was rolling the rock up the hill? Whatever it is, they have this piece at Bloomberg Opinion. Inflation stings most if you earn less than $300,000. Here's how to deal. And it offers all sorts of wonderful ways for you to save money, like taking the bus. Don't buy in bulk. And instead of meat, try lentils. <laughs> Imagine. If your income is more than $289,000 a year, the run-up in gas prices may be alarming, but it's unlikely to hammer you over hammer your overall finances. After all, Americans at that level spend no more than 1% of their take-home pay on gas and oil, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. You got it easy. Suck it up. Shut up. For those earning much less, it's a different story. Those at the median with an income of about $50,000 spend more than 3% of it on oil and uh, on gas and motor oil. Low-income households making between 7000 and 19000 spend about 9%. The latest inflation numbers show gas prices jumped 6.6% in February. Blah, blah, blah. You need to find a way to expect to, to save money. To deal with gas prices, the author writes that somebody named Teresa Garlarducci. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce G-H-I-L-R-A-D, whatever. To deal with gas prices, it's worth reconsidering public transportation if it's an option where you live. Fares are up about 8% compared with 38% for gasoline. Now may even be a good time to sell your car. There you go, sell your car. It certainly isn't the time to buy a new or used one. Prices have stabilized a bit, but the used car prices are still up more than 40% from a year ago, and new ones are up 12%. When it comes to food, don't be afraid to explore. Prices for animal-based food products will certainly increase. Ukraine and Russia supply a significant amount of corn and barley to the world market, mainly to feed livestock for human food. Meat prices have increased 14% since February 2021, and now will go up even more. Though your palate may not be used to it, tasty meat substitutes include vegetables or lentils and beans. Hey, you want a steak? Well, yes, I would love a steak. Well, here's a big plate full of beans. Just close your eyes and imagine it. And then when you're in the middle of the digestive process, don't sit next to me, please. Plan to cut out the middle creature and consume plants directly. It's a more efficient, healthier, and cheaper way to get calories. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, Professor. She's a professor of, uh, she is the Schwartz Professor of Economics at the New School for Social Research. She's also co-author of Rescuing Retirement and a member of the board of directors of the Economic Policy Institute, whatever the hell that is. 
don't know if you know this or not, but if uh, Americans don't have a problem getting calories, that ain't our problem. It's getting the good calories. So yes, you can eat a plate full of beans and, you know, <laughs> cut out. I love how she planned to cut out the middle creature. Yeah, because we feed these animals grass and oats and corn and whatever. And then that goes into their muscles and then we consume those muscles. So if you just cut out the middleman and eat the corn and the barley and all that stuff the same uh, yourself, then it's just like you're eating meat, except it's nothing like you're eating meat. (laughs) Stay away from buying bulk, she says. You usually don't save any money by buying more. You'd save gas on the number of trips to the store. What about that? Sure, there are many great deals, but most consumers wind up falling for the tricks that entice them to spend more. Things like offering free samples, which often lead to impulse buying, or placing discounted big-ticket items near the entrance. The left thinks you're morons. The left thinks you're absolute morons. In every aspect of life, they want to tell you how to eat, what to eat, how to live, how to move, how to go around here. Just ride the bus. You'll be fine. Shut up. I'm going to go and charge my Tesla, which was subsidized to the tune of 7500 bucks by suckers like you making $40,000 a year. And now you ride the bus and get out of my Tesla's way and eat beans and I'll eat steak. Why? Because why not? And don't buy in bulk because you're too stupid to recognize when something isn't really a bargain. This is everything about the left in one op-ed. It's incredibly condescending. Uh, to shift it up again, just to illustrate how screwed up we are as a society and how we don't really necessarily deserve good things, can't we? We are just a couple years away from the 250th anniversary of the United States of America. Now, if you were around and alive and can remember the bicentennial or if you've seen footage or movies or documentaries or anything around that time, you know that this country kind of went all in on the bicentennial. I expect things to be different 250 years because now we have a political party that makes its bones, that made its name, that, that doesn't like this country. They just don't like this country anymore. They never, they always had a problem with it. I guess they hit it better. A lot of the Democratic Party did like this country, but a, an undercurrent, the Democratic Party did not. The SD, the, the, the hippie movement, the anti-war movement, not that being anti-war meant that you were, uh, you know, anti-American by any stretch of the imagination, but a good percentage of the anti-war movement went on to become just radical leftists. You know, if you're trying to kill people in the name of peace, you're doing it wrong. And then you might go, well, maybe you're trying to do something uh, for the wrong reasons. Maybe maybe your ideology, ideology is a little bit screwed up and you end up uh, in a weird place where you're trying to kill people for peace, allegedly. But then you realize, no, you're just killing people because they disagree with you. And instead of being purged, from the party instead of growing up instead of being you know shunned by the political party the democratic establishment has become them they've been usurped by them those people now hold positions of power the more radical somebody was when they were younger the more violent they were there's a good chance that somebody will have a tattoo of that person now they'll be a hero um, to leftists now 
and will be given speaking slots and tenured jobs and things like that by the Democratic establishment. So when you look at the 250th anniversary of the United States of America, there will be a whole bunch of people, because it's not just them, those leftists who hate this country. It is all of those people who bought into what those leftists were selling who hate this country, too, because they have been in positions to indoctrinate people and children and everybody you can possibly imagine for a very long time. They have been embraced by academia and now have taken over entertainment and they have taken over the Democratic Party. So then you see that the commission trying to set up the 250th anniversary of the United States of America is having problems getting their act together. It only kind of makes sense, to be perfectly honest with you. Wall Street Journal has the story. The Federal Commission charged with commemorating 250 years of American independence in 2026 is at war with itself over allegations of feather bedding, favoritism, and misappropriation of taxpayer funds. At the closed-door meeting last week, the U.S. semi-quincennial, quincentennial, let me try that again, semi-quincentennial, I think that's how you pronounce it. I remember when growing up, Michigan celebrated its 150th anniversary, and that was the sesquicentennial. So the semi-quincentennial commission voted 12 to 10 to support its chairman, Pennsylvania developer Danielle Delia. Some dissenting commissioners have accused him of improperly transferring the body's functions and federal appropriations to the private America 250 Foundation, which he and his allies control. Can we not just leave? Do we? First of all, why do we need a committee to commemorate 250 years of the United States of America? Shouldn't we all just kind of know inherently what to do? Be a little bit patriotic, maybe plan uh, some fireworks on that day. It's July 4th, after all. Fireworks are already going to be planned, so maybe you go another one a little bit further. But no, no. The foundation, the commission, and an, affid- an affiliated nonprofit collectively called America 250 were sued on discrimination claims last month by four female former executives of the foundation who alleged they were effectively forced out of the boys' club, running the project after objecting to what their lawsuit says was cronyism, self-dealing, mismanagement of funds, potentially unlawful contracting practices, and wasteful spending. It sounds like a, a little bit of an approximation of what our federal government has become. Honestly, uh, when we celebrate the 250th anniversary of the founding of this country, this country will resemble very little of what the founding fathers had envisioned, would tolerate. They would not be able to control their vomiting and convulsing if the Founding Fathers saw what we had become. Let's just be honest about what we have become. But no, 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 no. There's a double deal. Of course they're going to claim they're suing, going, oh, it's a good old boys network. Again, it's not enough people. We need uh, this many of that one and this many of that one and this many of that one. And there aren't enough people on this commission who hate the country. So the people who hate this country are not being accurately represented. And they sit there and you just go, what the hell have we become? And is the 250th anniversary of this country really even worth celebrating if this is how they're going to do it? And I say, yes, of course it is. But I would recommend now. 
It's 2022. You've got four years to figure this out. Don't expect the government to get it together. Don't expect the government to figure it out. Don't expect any of these morons in power to finally go, you know what, let's just have some fire. Plan your own thing. And, and do it, if, you're, if you remember the Seinfeld episode where they were planning for the millennium and Kramer, Kramer and Newman were like renting halls and having uh, competing parties and whatever, and they, were, like, they finally ended up joining forces. Take it into your own hands. Your community, if you're a community leader, now you've got four years to become a community leader. Figure things out to do your own little town, your own major city, whatever it is. Don't wait for these clowns to figure it out. They're never going to figure it out. Just like everything, if you run by committee, you're going to screw it up. It's going to get screwed up. Mr. D'Elia's leadership under fire. His allies put forward a resolution that augments his power, reducing public access to official proceedings and limits members' ability to vote on budgeting and planning issues or speak at commission meetings. Mr. D'Elia conceived, uh, convened the March 9th session over Zoom and proceeded without, uh, to vote without a debate. Several commissioners, including members of Congress, sought to speak. People who attended said Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman held up a sign reading, I demand to be heard. <laughs> Ms. D'Elia ignored her. And Representative Robert Aderholt, Republican Alabama, who asked to speak, said former Representative Joseph Crawley, Democrat, New York, who serves on the commission as a private citizen. That's the guy who lost to AOC in the primary and unleashed her on the country. So you can see you're not dealing with just average Americans looking to express their patriotism. You're dealing with a whole bunch of cronies who are looking to advance their own causes, their own agendas, their own whatevers. Some members say Mr. D'Elia should step down. Quote, we've suffered through four years of these antics with no vision at all for 2026, said Commissioner Andrew Huns, chief executive of Philadelphia investment firm New Market Capital. I don't know what New Market Capital is, but it's an investment firm. What imbues Andrew Hans with any special ability, aside from the fact that he's located in Philadelphia? It doesn't. It's cronyism, ladies and gentlemen. These aren't historians. These aren't patriots. They may be patriots. They may have interests in history, but they have other jobs. Now, I don't want we just shun all of this crap and go, hey, you know what? It's the 250th anniversary of the United States of America. Hey, New York, do whatever it is you're going to do, all right? Apparently, during the, uh, the bicentennial, you had a parade of tall ships, and uh, going through New York Harbor down the Hudson or whatever. Would you do that again? Hey, Boston, whatever you're going to do, whatever you did uh, 50 years before at the Bicentennial, how about you do that? Philadelphia, how about you kind of... We don't need reenactments. We don't need all this sort of stuff. If the Liberty Bell won't crack apart, maybe ring the Liberty Bell, but it probably will because it's got a hell of a crack in it, not... Not the drilled thing, but the actual crack. So maybe don't ring that. Ring the bell up that's sitting there. I forget what it is. The Centennial Bell that's up in the tower now. Ring that thing. How about everybody just plan their own and not look to the federal government? Make, make the 250th anniversary of the United States of America like the founding fathers wanted the United States of America to be. A whole bunch of places that come together on their common interests, but otherwise... Leave each other alone. 
states that are free to make and decide for themselves in any way, shape, or form they so choose. Whatever best suits their needs at a moment, they don't get to impose their will on another state. We don't need a federal government telling you how to celebrate the 250th anniversary of the United States of America. I'm pretty sure I live in Maryland. We can figure it out on our own. They'll probably screw it up. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Fireworks, flags, patriotism. It'd be nice. Those three things are pretty much all you need. If you can't, if you need more than that, if you're waiting for some commission to figure it out, some commission of political appointees to figure out how the country should celebrate their 250th anniversary, you're doing it wrong and you're dishonoring this country. Let's just be honest. The foundation, Wall Street Journal, which was chartered to raise funds for the commission, set a fundraising goal of $250 million with a $10 million target for this year and $50 million in 2023, according to a March report viewed by the journal. It has had little success so far in lining up corporate sponsors. Walmart, Home Depot, Bank of America were approached but have made no commitments. People familiar with the matter say a spokesman for Bank of America declined to comment. Representatives for Walmart and Home Depot did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Facebook's parent company, Meta Platforms Incorporated, is the sole national sponsor to date, agreeing to provide $10 million over five years in exchange for a role in planning and presenting the observances. After the discrimination allegations were reported, Meta said it was reviewing the arrangement. This is a... What? It's a fundraising gimmick. It's a whole bunch of rich people sitting on the board to find a new way to subsidize their life. Oh, we got to go together for a meeting. We need to, to take some money out of the funds and do that. We've got to have a retreat to discuss this. Oh, by the way, it's a bunch of political backbiting and fighting. And in, in, in many ways, it's like an incredibly boring, narcissistic version of the Constitutional Convention or maybe the uh, the Continental Congress if you want to get down to it. But ultimately, we're past those goals. We're trying to celebrate that, and it shouldn't be a controversy. And if it is, get off the commission. In fact, disband the commission. You shouldn't go begging to corporate interests who then say, well, I'll celebrate the 250th anniversary of the United States, but only on condition that I get a say in how it's celebrated. How about you go jump in a lake, Jeb, uh, Mark Zuckerberg? That way, you can... Uh, if you can put up, what, 25 or $50 million to mess with the 2020 election, you can put up $10 million to celebrate the country that empowered you to become one of the richest nerds in the whole world. How about that? How about we shame these people? How about, here you go, get away from this. This is a putting out a clarion call for everyone. I'll serve on the commission if somebody wants to start it together. Let's start our own nonprofit that just looks to celebrate the United States of America and give money from rich leftists, now the leftists won't give it, but rich conservatives to do just that, to put on fireworks, to celebrate this country. And we'll make it a condition of serving on this board that there will be no whining about how all oh, the Declaration of Independence was signed by a bunch of rich white guys. Oh, they were slave owners. Oh, they were, no, no interest in that whatsoever. It is a straight-up celebration of the greatest country in the history of this planet. Everybody else can go jump in a lake, go to hell, however they choose to put it. Go away. 
and we'll celebrate 250 years of this country. And we'll, whatever money we raise, whatever money we have left over after the fireworks, we will use to generously offer to pay for the relocation fees of any leftists who wants to leave the country. All right. On condition that you renounce your citizenship, renounce your citizenship and we will buy you a one way plane ticket, even first class, maybe to anywhere you want in the world on condition that you never return. And then you can go and mourn the 250th anniversary of this country anywhere you want, any way you like. I think that's a fair trade, right? I, I think that I would, I would definitely, I would even contribute to that. Oh, by the way, I have one more thing to say about the Supreme Court thing, just because it points out the absolute hypocrisy of leftists, and God knows I love doing that. Ruth Marcus is the deputy editorial page editor and a columnist over at the Washington Post. She's just a horrible person. She's a bad person. She she has spent a lot of time on various Supreme Court nominations. She wrote a book about Brett Kavanaugh's back in, uh, let's see, on uh, September 16th, 2018. Then just a columnist. She hadn't yet been rewarded for her shilling with the promotion to deputy editorial page editor. She tweeted out a uh, a piece that she wrote on Brett Kavanaugh. When a Supreme Court seat is on the line, the court in the country deserve the benefit of the doubt, not the nominee. Not the nominee. So Brett Kavanaugh, the concept of due process, innocence until proven guilty – the requirement that the accusers prevent, present some kind of evidence, something to back up their claims. Nope, not necessary, not allowed. The country deserves the benefit of the doubt, not the nominee. Now that uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson has been uh, questioned, not even questioned really, uh, Josh Hawley's just kind of putting stuff out there, Um has been bringing up, hey, she's a little bit uh, light, easy on the child porn people. Ruth Marcus is back, ladies and gentlemen. She has a opinion piece today entitled, How Long Will the, How Low Will the GOP Go in Taking on Ketanji Brown Jackson? Question mark. Josh Hawley lets us know. Yes. Let's us know. Now, when the hypocrisy and the disconnect between those two sentiments was known, was pointed out to Ruth Marcus, the Washington Post deputy editorial page editor and columnist came back with the following, quote, Both of these columns are fair, accurate, and consistent. I found Christine Blase Ford's testimony about Brett Kavanaugh's behavior convincing, but there was room for doubt. Here, there is a completely out-of-context, cherry-picked attack on a nominee. (laughs) What a pile of human garbage Ruth Marcus is, ladies and gentlemen. And if you look at a photograph of her, you think she resembles one. Her book was Supreme Ambition, Brett Kavanaugh and the Conservative Takeover. And it was all about how evil Republicans conspired to steamroll Blase Ford and the system to put a right-wing monster on the Supreme Court. Now... Oh, uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, she's an angel. She's a saint. She's she, Maybe Ruth Marcus is trying to get on The View. They can have her. They deserve her. I've got other COVID-related. This, this is just uh, <clears throat> I have kind of the hiccups. I'd say that uh, this is not surprising. 
But it should be surprising. It should be very, very disappointing, too. But there'll be no consequences. Daily Caller has the story. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention revised its data this week to reduce pediatric deaths from COVID-19 by nearly 24%. Well, it's good news. It's great news. But the problem is that it should never have happened in the first place. Don't be sloppy. How about that? On Tuesday, the agency was reporting on its COVID data tracker that 1,755 Americans under age 18 had died from the virus since the pandemic began in spring of 2020. Now it is reporting 1,341 deaths in that category. Seems a bit weird, doesn't it? The CDC said the number was revised March 15th due to, quote, coding logic error according to a footnote on the agency's COVID data tracker. Pediatric death counts were not the only ones lowered. Total deaths were reduced by roughly 70,000 deaths. Now, how hard is it to... This isn't math. I mean, I suppose it's rudimentary math. But it's counting, ultimately, is it not? You just count. How hard is it to count? If you can't handle counting, get out of government. There are... uh, uh, What is it... uh, Excel. I think it's Excel. On Microsoft Office, you just open it up and you uh, put in the numbers. Every single day you put in the numbers or you put in and you, there's a little sum button and you boom and it sums it up. It adds it together. Maybe some people in our government don't know what the word sum means. It's a little, I think it's a Greek symbol. So maybe there are some people who don't know what the hell that means. But how do you, okay, I will forgive that there is an error, right? right? Errors happen, people screw up. What I can't forgive is that it takes two years to figure it out. Two years. Is there no quality? I mean, it's government, so there really isn't much quality control. But maybe we should add a little bit more quality control. Maybe we could do that. When it comes to ruining people's lives, when it comes to bossing people around, how about we go, all right, if you're going to be a really bossy jackass pile of guy let's at least i don't know um make sure we're accurate in the data that we're doing Hmm? how about that (laughs) but no they can't they can't reason magazine has this story this is back from uh, march 18th during the first year of the COVID 19 pandemic the federal government approved an unprecedented amount of emergency spending in response to the new and poorly understood public health threat but federal government's agencies dedicated to actually studying the public health threats was slow to respond in fact just two percent of the more than 56,000 grants issued by the National Institutes of Health during 2020 went to projects studying COVID-19, even as the virus killed thousands of Americans and ransacked the global economy. 2%. 2%. Why? Because your priorities are not government's priorities, and you are definitely not a government priority. It's pathetic. That's the conclusion of a new study from researchers at Johns Hopkins University and Penn State University that has been accepted but not yet peer-reviewed or published by BMJ, a Britain-based medical journal. 
Quote, the first year of the pandemic, the NIH diverted a small fraction of its budget to COVID-19 research, the researchers concluded. Future health emergencies will require research funding to pivot in a timely fashion and funding levels to be proportional to the anticipated burden of the disease in the population, end quote. Seems like a good, smart idea to me. I guarantee you that the National Institutes of Health greenlit more money for studying whatever kind of health ailment you can make up as related to climate change than they did to COVID-19. And I would say it would be a fa- by a factor of about 100, at a minimum factor of about 100. Because that's the key to getting government grants these days in the science field in any way, shape, or form. I promise you this. If you want to study the mating habits of squirrels or the the mating habits of a nuthatch or some other kind of bird, you will probably not get that grant. If you apply for a government grant to study those things, they'll just go, well, good luck to you, but there's really no reason for that. If, however... You are smart enough, by that I mean diabolical enough, or, you know, if you're a conservative and you want to study anything, this here's your good tip, here's your pro tip of the day if you want to get a government grant. Whatever it is, say, oh, I really want to know about the, uh, the mating habits of the nuthatch and how they're impacted by climate change. And there you go. The floodgates will open. The money you want and more will come your way, I promise you that that is how our government works doesn't matter if it's a republican or democrat president their priorities are their priorities the unelected deep state has their priorities you are never it but uh, well you are to the extent that they want your money but other than that you are never it common sense is never it it is if you couch it anything in the form of climate change you will find that the money will miraculously start flowing and your grants will be renewed and renewed and renewed. See, because you'd sit there and if you're a rational thinking human being, you'd go, well, once the pandemic started, all hands were on deck, right? Everybody just kind of said, my God, we have to stop this horrible thing because it's doing damage to everything across the board. And the answer was no. Bureaucracy moves at its own pace. Bureaucracy moves in its own interest. The bureaucracy doesn't give a damn about you. They don't care at all. <laughs> they don't. They just don't. Um, you know, I was hoping I was hoping against hope to get through a show without talking about Ukraine. Because there's nothing new to really report on Ukraine except for there's some developments here in the United States that, uh, well, some illustrations of just how we're run by idiots. I want to play you this clip of our U.N. ambassador. Our U.N. ambassador, who Joe Biden appointed, who Joe Biden couldn't remember the name of. Remember, she was, uh, well, you got uh, Thomas Thomas Greenfield, or Greenfield, Thomas, Linda, whatever. Her name is, is Linda Thomas Greenfield. Old man doesn't understand that uh, some women hyphenate their names, but appoints them to government positions because he's told to. Anyway... She was on, I believe, it was either ABC's This Week or on with Jake Tapper. It's, there's no difference between these shows. It doesn't really matter. I think it was Jake Tapper. But she's spreading a, or asked about a rumor that's circulating about Ukraine. And the, 
she's the ambassador to the United Nations. She's speaking for the United States of America. She says, first off, I don't know that I can't verify that this is true, but then goes on to treat it as if it's true without knowing whether or not it's true, which is wildly irresponsible for somebody in her position. Listen to it. Uh, Can you confirm, does the U.S. know that that's happening? And if it is happening, how disturbing is that? I've only heard it. I can't confirm it. Uh, But I can say it is disturbing. It is unconscionable for Russia to force Ukrainian citizens into Russia uh, and put them in what will basically be concentration and uh, prisoner uh, camps. So this is something that uh, we need to verify. Uh, Russia should not be uh, moving Ukrainian citizens against their will into Russia. Are they or are they not? I can't verify that. I don't know. I've heard the rumors. But it's unconscionable. Well, if what if they're not doing it? Is it unconscionable? Is it is it conscionable? Like, I get it. Some, you know, talking head pundit wants to go off on this. Fine, all well and good. But the ambassador to the United Nations, so I can't verify that. I don't know. It's horrible if true, but we haven't been able to verify. Because I think you'd be able to verify pretty easily a whole bunch of people being marched across the Russian border into concentration camps. That's just me. I think you'd be able to figure it out, but this person should not be talking like this. It's an embarrassment and damaging. Since we're dealing with morons in this administration or apologists morons for this administration, you you just heard from Linda Thomas-Greenfield going, I don't know, the Russians are probably, maybe, we don't know, I have no verification, but if they're doing it, it's awful. And what they're doing is terrible if they're doing it at all. Uh, Again, she's in a position to speak for the, the president doesn't get to speculate. This was one of the things that every president has to learn this is one of the things I wish President Trump had learned, where you don't have to answer questions. Just because the question is asked doesn't mean you have to answer it. You are free to go, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm not going to engage in that. Barack Obama was wildly awful at this, where he said, well, I'm not going to get involved in a case I don't know anything about, but it sure seems like the police up in Cambridge acted stupidly. And then, of course, it didn't wasn't that way at all. The police did not act stupidly. It was his buddy, Henry Louis Gates, who had uh, been a real jackass to the cop and not fought the cop, not the other way around. Uh, and that led to the beer summit and so on and so forth. It's just, you know, you don't have to answer every question. As president of the United States, you don't have to weigh in on everything. Obama started this with a father son. He looked like Trayvon. Why? How would you, why? Why? Because he's black? doesn't necessarily mean anything. Are you saying, Barack Obama, that all black people look alike? That's not cool. It's not true. But no, I just waited on everything. And then it turns out we'd learned some stuff about the Trayvon Martin case, and it turned out that uh, Trayvon Martin was the aggressor. The jury saw it differently, and that led to riots because the president of the United States had helped set the expectations bar so high. Anyway, that's why... Public officials should not weigh in on things they know nothing about. Linda Thomas Greenfield is an elderly woman. She should have said, "I." She should have been around the block enough. I don't have. I'm not, not going to speculate on this. I don't know that it's true. I don't know that it's not true. We're looking into it. I hope that it's not true. And again, marching people across the border should be into concentration camps should be something that's pretty easily verifiable. Beside the point. Now that uh, we've gotten that stupidity out of the way, we go to media stupidity. A woman named Tiffany Cross. 
She demonstrates that there is absolutely no standards at MSNBC. Every single day. NBC News, MSNBC. I know they like to pretend they're two different entities, but they are not. They are one entity. They share too many people for them to be given any benefit of the doubt. Therefore, Tiffany Cross is the is an NBC News employee. She's really only got the job because Joy Reid was put back on daytimes. Why? Because who knows? They wanted to diversify it up. So they got Tiffany Cross in there. She was the best of the morons that they had filling in for Joy Reid for a while, which isn't saying much. All she does is cry racism. That's her whole shtick. It's the Joy Reid business model. And at MSNBC, you can go a long way just crying racism. She had some professor, I don't even know who the person is talking to. It doesn't even matter. She wants so badly for the United States to be the bad guy in every way, shape, or form that you can imagine that she goes through this kabuki theater to get there half the time. And this is one of those times where she compares, because there's concern that Vladimir Putin will resort to using chemical weapons in Ukraine. Legitimate concern, hopefully a, a long shot, but still a legitimate concern. Tiffany Cross, being the weekend race lady over there at MSNBC, has to bring it back to Black Lives Matter. Tiffany Cross cares very deeply about black lives as long as they die in a very specific way that will improve her ratings. If they are taken by other black people, those black lives she couldn't give a damn about. She asks this guy, she actually just declares the use of tear gas to be the same as using mustard gas. Killing somebody with mustard gas is the same as tear gas because police are awful, the United States is racist, and all white people do is live for tear gassing Black Lives Matter. Now, I'd say that uh, Black Lives Matter could have used a hell of a lot more tear gassing, to be perfectly honest with you, given that they've done more than a billion dollars worth of damage and killed almost 50 people. That's just me. I would never make it as a guest, let alone a host on MSNBC. Listen to Tiffany Cross. But it is a, a bit interesting because the United States is very much against chemical weapons, um, yet police use tear gas here, right here in America, which is considered um, a, a chemical weapon. So is this uh, a bit hypocritical, perhaps, because we've seen tear gas used, uh, particularly during the Black Lives Matter protests? I'm just curious your thoughts on the use of um, chemical weapons in law enforcement while we're telling other countries that they shouldn't use it. Really, nobody should use these, perhaps. But I'm curious your thoughts on that. I'm just curious your thoughts. She sounds like a demented, uh, low IQ valley girl, doesn't she? I'm just curious your thoughts on this. I don't know. I don't have any thoughts. I'm just kind of curious. You know, what do you think? Because, you know, making somebody's eyes sting and making them cough and then they get over it is exactly the same as causing somebody to suffocate on their own bodily fluid as it fills up their lungs and causes them to die. It's the exact same thing. And uh, don't you agree with me, moron? I don't know the guy. I assume he was a moron because he was on MSNBC and they wouldn't have anybody who A, would disagree with a host and B, would be smart to agree to go on that network. But don't you love it? This is the left and this is how their mind works. You are the problem. The United States is the problem. Police are basically murdering people. They're basically dropping anthrax on top of protesters.
Uh, no. There's a bit of a difference. One disperses a crowd, another kills a crowd. If you don't understand the difference, perhaps you should volunteer to be sprayed. We'll do a little game. You can choose, Tiffany. Since they're both chemical weapons, I wouldn't want to force a chemical weapon on you. You can choose. I will have one canister of tear gas and one canister of mustard gas. Since they're all in the same thing, I'll let you choose which one you will be locked in a room with and have the canister opened, okay? And then you can see. Because I think you'd, at that moment, maybe not up until that moment, but at that moment you would then begin to acknowledge the difference between the two in the matter of degrees. The efficacy of one in dispersing a crowd and the other one in crowding a cemetery. Just saying. This is NBC News, ladies and gentlemen. Morons, all of them. You're not a moron because you listen to this show. I appreciate the use of your ears. This show may be over, but we'll be back tomorrow with another one. Thanks for listening. See you then.